Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. On this week's podcast, we're going to be reflecting on Cork's loss to Kerry in the Munster Football Championship last Saturday evening at Park Urine. And joining me to do so is ex-Cork footballer, Dermot Duggan. Um, Dermot, there's been plenty of praise in the last few days for John Cleary and his team, despite the 23 points to 12 loss against Kerry. Just curious to know, where would you stand yourself in that regard? Do you take much solace despite the 11-point defeat? I would, Jack. Um, it, it's a funny one because, you know, walking out of Parky Ring on Saturday night, any Cork sport you spoke to, you know... <laughs> despite, as you say, the 12-point loss, you know, most people were quite upbeat about the performance. And I think it probably stems from the fact that, first of all, you know, people were very worried in case, you know, the floodgates would open after 10 minutes and that it would be an embarrassment. And um, I think it was far from that, actually. And, like, Cork were in the game with, um, you know, after 50 minutes, I think there was only one point in it, you know. And um, um, it was very, very, you know, not a lot of people expected that to stay in that long. You know, Cork were playing probably the favourites for the All-Ireland against a team who finished close to the bottom of Division 2, you know. So um, I think that's probably where the positivity came, is that, you know, we asked questions of Kerry for so long, um, for 50 minutes, and, and no doubt, you know, I suppose the last 20 minutes they did pull away all right, you know. But I think that's mainly where the positivity is coming from. Let's get into how Cork did manage to keep with Kerry for that 50-minute period, as you mentioned. The overall setup on the day seemed to work to some degree with some of Kerry's key men like David and Paddy Clifford not necessarily running riot like many would have predicted. Were you impressed by how Cork set up defensively on the day? Definitely, yeah. Um, it was very clear, you know, the, the management of John Cleary and uh, his selectors had a very definite and defined plan and then um, they executed it very, very well as well. Um, they started with an extra man in defence by bringing um, Sean Powder from centre forward back right in front of the full back line and um, 
basically double marking uh, David Clifford predominantly, but also um, you know keeping an eye on uh, the other two full forwards as well. So um, number one, like he was very impressive. Sean Powder was very impressive in that role. But apart from that as well, you know, even the men further out the field, including the likes of uh, Ian McGuire coming back, you know, he was very organised, very disciplined in tracking runners um, from deep in that. And um, generally, when Cork lost possession, they were they were filtering 13 men, 14, even the odd couple of times they were putting 15 men behind the ball, you know, uh, to try and stifle and crowd out that Kerry attack. And then um, it definitely frustrated Kerry for long periods. And, you know, um, they had to work very, very hard for any scores they get, did get or, you know, they were winning frees maybe, you know, but but they definitely didn't have the, um, didn't have it their own way anyway, you know. And, and from that point of view, the defensive setup kept Cork in the game for 15 minutes. And, you know, that's all people were asking for really, you know, I think, that, as I mentioned at the start, there was a lot of fear that the game could be over within 15 minutes, you know. So Cork gave themselves a fighting chance. And, um I heard John Cleary saying in his interview before the match, you know, that Cork were here to win the game. And like, certainly it's from the way they set up and and, uh, the way they organised themselves, they definitely gave themselves the best chance of doing that in the way they set up. Two of the names you mentioned there, Dermot, that were so crucial to Cork's defensive solidity for that period of time, uh, the first three quarters of the game were Ian Maguire and Sean Powder, both of whom, were carrying injuries into the game it would seem they didn't play much football in recent weeks they probably weren't doing a huge amount of training so for them to perform like that in those conditions can only bode well then for the qualifiers in a number of weeks because they'll obviously have more training under their belts and they'll have had this carry game so I guess that's another positive you could take from the day as well I mean, a huge positive and I think um you know, sometimes the character of these Cork footballers is questioned. And um, again, I heard John Cleary being interviewed after the match and he was saying that Ian Maguire himself came to them during the week telling them he wanted to, you know, do a fitness test and uh, he wanted to play, you know, and that just shows the calibre of the man and, and the character of him. And also Potter, you know, it's it's been well documented to know what he's gone through in terms of his injuries. And, um, you know, he's one man who never lets... The county of Cork down, you know, anytime he, he goes out in the field. And again, it showed the last that he was absolutely crucial in curtailing the likes of Dave Clifford and um, the other top Kerry forwards as well. Just to play devil's advocate for a moment, then, when we're speaking about the defensive setup of Cork, like as a Cork football man, true and true, you obviously want to see Cork perform to the best of their ability. I guess. Are Cork at a stage now where you just can't get too precious about styles of play? Now, I know they weren't completely blanket defence, but they just kind of did what they had to do. Is that what you're getting at there? Does it frustrate you ever when Cork set up in that way or is it needs must? I think it's needs must at this stage, Jack, because um, virtually every county team now has a, a very solid defensive setup. And, you know, the way the modern game has gone, you won't survive. You'll just concede too much unless you have such a system in place. And I, I know the traditionalists harp on about and, and and they wouldn't be happy with it. But, you know, the other side of it is, I think, over the last number of years, Cork didn't have an actual defined defensive setup or defined identity in how they were setting themselves up. And I think you become too inconsistent, so unle- inconsistent unless you have such a system. And I think it certainly worked the last day, you know, this system. And, and, and But the key to it was, you know, First of all, the lads knowing what to do, but secondly, you know, uh, working incredibly hard, you know, and, and and giving an honest effort in terms of tracking runs. And, you know, it could be even Sherlock chase, chasing a guy from corner forward all the way back to corner back, you know, and um, 
they definitely did that very well the last and a lot of kudos must go to them for that but um getting back to the your, your original question i think yeah cork i don't think can be too precious about and, and i don't think they need to uh, apologize to anyone about uh, coming up with such a system because it is needs must and like um it would have been naive of them to go you know 15 against 15 against Kerry because certainly if they went 15 against 15 um, and and played more open football they'd have been beaten after 10 minutes you know so like um Obviously, John Cleary, he's an experienced manager. He's been around the block a lot. And, you know, he, he was well aware on, on the type of system that would give Cork the best chance to stay in that game for as long as they could. Um, let's chat about the forward line now, dear mate. And a man you mentioned there for his work rate, and that's Stephen Sherlock, but also Carl O'Matney, because over the last number of years, in particular on this podcast, myself and Kieran have always discussed the fact that Cork are maybe over-reliant on the scoring of Brian Hurley. But it really seems like Sherlock and O'Matney are starting to find their feet at this level. Sherlock scored five points, four from freeze. Carl O'Matney, three from play. Brian Hurley didn't manage to get on the score sheet. But that's an important thing in a forward line, that if a Brian Hurley isn't performing to his absolute best on the day, you have other players in the team who can chip in and keep the scoreboard taking over yeah usually even if you flip it over to Kerry I mean David Clifford didn't have one of his best days but still you know they still racked up 20 what three points or something like that you know so it just shows even when one forward is contained you need other guys to step up and then um, from the Cork uh, point of view you know Stephen Sherlock from freeze was absolutely unerring again and he's one of the best free takers in the country and he's been doing it for the bars for a number of years and to, once again at the um on the big stage, he showed it again on Saturday night. Uh, Cahal O'Mahony was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I think this was his debut as far as I know. And, um, you know, showed no fear. Uh, three points from play. A couple of other efforts that went just wide, wide as well, you know. So um, he's got a big, big future. And he's a guy over the last year or two who also has had a lot of injuries, you know. So they're huge pluses. And um, you mentioned about Brian Hurley. Like, Brian Hurley is always going to attract attention, you know. Um, so when he's well marked or well shackled, you know, it's, it is absolutely critical that you have other scoring forwards. And then um, certainly Kyle O'Mahony is definitely one of these guys. Stephen Sherlock, possibly more from freeze, but, you know, a, a good, solid, reliable a free taker is just critical at this level as well. Before we look forward to the qualifiers, I just want to talk about maybe one glaring negative that came out on Saturday and we won't be the first people to speak about it. I've seen it written about in many places, but that is the Cork kickout. And obviously there was an issue with Michal Martin having to go off injured early in the game. But throughout the, the full 70 minutes, it never really looked like Cork had a, a structured kickout routine. They, I don't have the exact stats, but they seem to lose far more than they won and I just wonder what your own thoughts on that are because obviously there's talk that Ian Maguire was carrying an injury and he'd usually be the dominant force in the Cork midfield around kick out time but just your own kind of thoughts or analysis on what Cork could do possibly to improve that aspect of their game or what Kerry did so well to, to stifle Cork in that regard Yeah you're probably right there I mean the Cork management probably got most things right on, on the night, you know, but the kick-out was probably one area in which they struggled a little bit. I know whether they had practiced and it just didn't work out or not, um, but it, it looked like they didn't 
have a huge plan in terms of it. Um, they try to go short a number of times and they got a number of them away uh, successfully enough. But then when Kerry decided to push up on them, Cork were obviously forced long then and Kerry just seemed to be much, much better under the brakes. And you mentioned Ian Maguire there being injured. Over the last number of years, Ian has been the go-to man whenever kickouts went out long. And as you rightly say, he obviously had an injured hand coming into this and we didn't see any high feeling from uh, Maguire throughout the game, really. So, so definitely that cut out one of their options. And, and we saw a lot of uh, Cork kickouts directed to the other midfielder, Colm O'Callaghan, who usually wouldn't be noted for his um, for his high feeling. He's more of, a, of an athletic power runner, really, with the ball, you know. So um, going forward, they definitely, you know, they have to come up with some sort of system uh, of getting some short ones away. But but also, you know, you need you need a plan B and a plan C sometimes, uh, very often in kickouts, you know, because... Uh, Kerry realised as the game went on, you know, when they put pressure on the short kickouts that they were winning most and that went out long. And then you saw in the last 20 minutes in particular when they brought on David Moore in the midfield, they just hoovered up absolutely every kickout. And any chance that Cork had of staying in the game, you know, they were just giving away possession every time. So it just made it much more difficult. But, um, you know, in, in any game, you're never going to get everything right. You know, Cork had a lot of things right and they improved in lots of areas. But... Um, and I suppose a lot of credit must go to Kerry too and, and the homework they've done on Cork kickouts and that and they, they capitalise on it. So, But um, definitely going forward, it's an area um, that Cork will need to improve on. Now, we've obviously spoken on this podcast a number of times over the years and there have been positive results along the way where we got excited about what Cork were going to do next and unfortunately... They didn't follow up. The qualifiers are in a few weeks. We don't know who Cork are going to play yet, but it could be Clare, it could be Loud, it could possibly be Dublin, it could be Mayo, it could be Tyrone, it could be any number of good teams. What do you want to see from Cork to follow on from what was ultimately a loss, but with plenty of positives? I think the next game, Jack, is going to define Cork's season this year and um, not so much the Kerry game because... Uh, as you mentioned, like we've been in this position before a couple of years ago in the Munster final and at a wet and windy park, we would beat Cork, or sorry, we beat Kerry and the following game lost a game we would have been favourites to win, which is the Munster final against Tipperary. And there's other examples over the years where we seem to take maybe one step forward and then two steps backwards. So just when, when there's a little bit of positivity coming, uh, sometimes Cork football seems to go backwards again. So this next game is absolutely critical. And um as you say, there's some incredibly strong teams now in the qualifier draw, such as Tyrone, Mayo, and, and many others. So it's going to be a, a big ask and a big challenge to beat any of those. But, you know, if Cork could put in a performance where they're in the game for more than 50 minutes this time, 60 minutes, 65, if they're there, they're both towards the end, then I think that's an achievement. And that's building on what Cork have achieved this year. And I think if they do something like that, either get a win or come incredibly close to one of the top uh, three or four sides, and I think that is huge progress and it's something um, it's that type of positivity that they can take into next year and hopefully then build and uh, develop their squad. And, and you know, because their, their squad is very, it's very small. It just, you, could, you could even see it in the subs they brought on, you know, compared to the caliber of the subs that the Kerry team are bringing on, you know, so they need to develop their squad much, much more. But um, definitely um, the next game is critical in terms of defining Cork season and whether it'll be a success or not, I think. Well, we'll be awaiting that draw with bated breath. Thanks a million, Dermot, for coming on and chatting. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jack. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about 
Cultivate Farm Finance. So Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, the loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalised and customised to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertiliser crisis now as we know. Um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And just briefly, before we wrap up this week's episode, a quick preview of what's coming up in this Thursday's Southern Star Sports section. Obviously, we have loads of stuff on Cork's loss to Kerry. There's three pages in the paper. So if you want some more great reading about that game, be sure to pick up a copy. We're also looking ahead to the Cork Hurlers game against Waterford in the Munster Hurling Championship. And of course, there's the Cork ladies getting their all-Ireland campaign up and running this weekend against Waterford as well. We're also speaking to Bantry MMA star Dee Begley, who has a big chance at a breakthrough in the US in a number of weeks. She's fighting in Miami and John O'Shea has been speaking to her. There's also a chat with Erica O'Shea, who has decided to leave the GA behind her. She's moving to Australia to play professionally in the AFLW. All that and much more in this Thursday's Southern Star, which you can buy in shops across West Cork from Thursday morning or of course you can subscribe online just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the Southern Star on your computer tablet or smartphone for as little as two euro per week thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts Slán Tomil